0: There's 30 or 40 offers on every house. When you see it, you're gonna have to make a decision on it. You don't have time to sleep on it. You really don't. If you sleep, it's gone. Agent Power Huddle is a daily jumpstart, giving you all the tools you need to create an amazing real estate career. Led by top experts in the field, you'll learn how to sell more houses, in less time, while creating the life you want. Welcome to the Agent Power Huddle. morning. Happy Thursday. How's everybody doing? You hear me okay, Dan? I can see you, so I think you can hear me. Good. All right. Great. Glad to hear it. Okay. Um, couple of quick housekeeping things. Um we are on a podcast, so you can li- you can listen to all these on um, your favorite podcast provider and also on YouTube. Um, and I don't know. Oh, yeah, we are live on Facebook. So on Facebook. We're live on Facebook too. Um, so I'm going to jump right in. Today, I'm going to talk about buyer fatigue. I know we've been talking a ton um, lately about listings, and that's super important. But I also have had some agents reach out to me that are working with buyers. And I think we're all working with some buyers, right? Or our teams are, Um, I hope so. So, and as much as I love my sellers and I love them, I also have lots of buyers that um, are under contract and need to get under contract. Um, And I don't know how many of you are experiencing any buyer fatigue with your buyers where they're just getting tired. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about things that we can do to get ahead of the buyer fatigue that at least I see going on in the market. And I hear so many agents reaching out and telling me that they're experiencing with their clients and really struggling with. We certainly don't want our buyers to tap out, although some may, right? Some may need to take a break. Some may need to tap out for right now, um, or they may at least get to the point where they feel that way. And so I'm trying to get them prepared for that, mentally prepared for that, right from the very beginning when we meet. Um, so, how many of you? So, those of you that are on, I can. I'd love to see your faces if you could turn your cameras on. That would be great. I'd love to see your faces because then I can get you to participate with me. Um, no, we can do that if you're in a position to turn your cameras on. Let's do that. Um, all right. I got some cameras. Good. So, how many of you have some buyers that are getting tired? Anybody? Getting some buyers that are getting tired. Okay, I've got some buyers that are getting tired too. Um, okay, and so how many of us are doing buyer consultations with our buyers? Anybody?
1: Good. All right. So,
0: Connie, I'm pick on you. What do you? What kinds of things are you talking about
1: in your buyer consults? Well, you just have to start from the very beginning of how the process starts mm-hmm. to actually take action, because there shouldn't be any buyers in this market that aren't a hundred percent ready to roll plus extra so um that's where it starts and we do it face to face either zoom or we do a lot in person here now again um, i'm in utah but um we cover their expectations i think setting norms and expectations with your clients helps them so much because it's emotional it is um some of the real specific things we do is go over a purchase contract before they write an offer. And, um, so, and they, and then I send it, you know, send it with them so they can read it over. So it's not the first time they're seeing it when they're all emotionally charged and ready to go. Um, that's been something that we um, implemented a long time ago that really helps. And then just, um making sure they're writing realistic offers and um just the way to do that is to not look at their highest price point of what they can qualify for because obviously things are going above list so they'll say well i can afford you know 500 why aren't we seeing those and you have to educate and it doesn't mean you can never see those it's just that you, you know, if you're you're gonna have more success, and that's what we want, you know, you tell them what you want for them by um, targeting where you think you're gonna end up uh, for their offer. So that's just some things.
0: I love that you're doing buyer consults. I still talk to so many people that aren't doing that, so I love that you're doing buyer consults. I do think it's super important to educate them. I have found this year that I'm spending a lot of time finding out what they know or what they think they know. Usually in my buyer consults in the past, it's really been focused around, well, they don't have a lot of knowledge. Let me educate them on the process. Let me get them pre-approved. A lot of times I'm doing consults with people before they realize that they need a pre-approval. And we know this year, especially that doesn't work, right? Because they're going to see a house. And by the time they get that pre-approval, it's going to be gone. Um, And they're just not going to be able to compete quick enough. So also, they're gonna see a house that's gonna go, at least in my market, 12, you know, to thirty thousand over list price. And um, and that's on an average sale price of mid two hundreds, right? That's not even on the luxury price points where they're going up even higher. I'm sorry, I'm having technical difficulty, so I'm kind of looking away, but I'm not meaning. I'm gonna to have to switch something on my computer so that I don't have a problem talking to all of you. Sorry. Um, so just bear with me for a second, guys. Sorry about that. Let me just okay, I have fixed it. So all right, so so I'm I find that they don't know what's really going on in the market. Even my seasoned buyers that have bought before, even my sellers that are selling and now are also buying, they don't really understand what's going on in the market. So a typical buyer consult for me is typically making sure they're pre-approved um, and making finding out what they know about the market um, and just kind of getting them ready to do showing. I'm spending a lot of time now kind of getting ahead of how they're gonna what they're gonna need to do when we find the house, how fast the process is gonna go, um, how many homes are really available to see. So I did a video the other day where I talked just on one of my pages where I just talked about how I was happy that I had seven homes to show one buyer
2: because
0: there's usually been one or two. If we're lucky, there's one or two to show them. Um, They have a second option. A lot of times once they see it, they have to make a decision. So, So something that I'm doing in my consults now is I'm asking them, what do you know about the market today? And I'm just shutting up. Tell me what you know about the market today. Um, I'm surprised that many of them don't really know. And I guess I'm surprised because I'm in it, right? So I think everybody knows there's 30 or 40 offers on every house, but they don't really know that. What they seem to know is houses are going fast. They seem to know that they're going quickly. Um, They don't really seem to know why they're going quickly Um, so that some of them think there's not enough houses to sell. Some of them think there are just too many buyers. Um, and so, and it's a little bit of both, right? We don't have enough inventory compared to what we would usually have. And we do have a lot more buyers. And why do we have all those buyers? So my consults lately have been over the last couple of months, really about, hearing what they think they know, and then they're telling them what the market really looks like and showing them evidence. So having some stories or some homes I can show them, if it's a Zoom consult, I can pull one up, like, okay, for example, this home, which if I know their price point, I like to pull up something in their price point and show them this home went on the market, the only allowed showings on, you know, from Friday, 4 p.m. till Sunday at noon, it was under contract by Sunday at 3 p.m. It had X amount of offers. You know, it had. I had one that had 12 offers, and I'm like, "That's low," because I've had others that have had 30 offers, and kind of educating them on that process, what that's going to look like for them. Um, things like when you see it, you're going to have to make a decision on it. You don't have time to sleep on it. You really don't. If you sleep, it's gone right so so those kinds of things they don't seem to know and so we're having a lot of those conversations anybody else having those conversations with buyers yeah are you learning so miles I'll pick on you um, are you what are you learning from those conversations with your buyers are you learning from them
2: i'm learning their true motivation if they're really motivated and if they're ready to go because if they're not then i'll tell them to keep looking online for now and when you're ready to pull the trigger I'll be here waiting for you how is the level of motivation in those conversations how is the level of motivation yeah, uh it varies you know. it varies some people are ready to go and they have all their ducks in a row they're financing their money's you know traceable where it's coming from we have a lot of people that are uh, here in seattle that work off of rsus uh, stock mm-hmm. options for different tech companies and we're talking to $300,000, $400,000 for down payments and low appraisals and all that money needs to be traceable. And I just kind of guide them in that right direction.
0: How do you know if they're not motivated?
2: Uh, if they want to think on it, mm-hmm. you know, and I can, I work with Ken Kratz and we have a pretty good saying that we use. Do you want to, do you want to sleep on it or do you want to sleep in it?
0: Mm-hmm. That's great. I love that. I haven't heard that. <laughs> so
2: that's kind of the way it is over here right now. It's either sleep in yeah. it or sleep on it. So
0: that's true. That's the truth, right? I'm seeing the same thing. So, so things I'm telling them, like just know what's going on in your market is what I would say, and don't be afraid to tell the truth. So, in my market, the average home, which is about two hundred fifty thousand, is getting twelve to thirty offers in the first forty eight hours in the market. Most of the listings that are going up are going up on Wednesday or Thursday, but are not available to see until Friday. And they're meeting and they're reviewing offers on Sunday or Monday. Um, It's going very fast. And, you know, and so I'm just kind of talking them through all of that. As soon as you see it, we've got to go. Um, I'm also getting ahead of their schedules. I have lots of people that don't work the same schedule and they want to send one or the other to see it. I'm like, you don't have time for a second showing. I'm just covering that on the front end because even though I just told them all the things I just said to you, they still don't always get, I don't have time for a second showing. Like, we may not get a second showing. We're going to get a 15-minute window in this market to see the house, and that's probably it. We're going to get one chance to schedule it. And then once it fills up, the listing agent and the seller are going to shut down the showings at some point. So, And I've seen that a ton. Where I just had one last night. I requested one last night. For today, and they said we just have too many showings. We you cannot see it. So, um, and I've made those calls and done the thing, right? But we're not going to get in to see it. So it's just it's just the way that it is. So I'm telling them that on the front end too. I'm also asking them what do they know, and what have they been told about the buying process? So the difference in the question. The first question I'm asking them is that I talked about, it's what do they know about the market today? I just wanna know what they're observing, what they think they know to try to get them in the mindset of what they're walking into. And Miles was right, because it does tell you their motivation based on the types of questions they ask or the things that they say, or the way they respond to me. And sometimes the answer is just keep looking online. So, and I'll watch that activity that they're doing um, and stay in touch with them until they feel more ready to get out, you know, and fight in the market. And I left them know from the beginning, this is a we're all in for the good fight. This is a fighting market for buyers. It's not going to change anytime soon. I don't have a crystal ball, but it's gonna be like this for a while, at least my opinion, at least the rest of this year. So unless something changes, right? Interest rates come up significantly or something changes. It's more specific. Um, so then, once we've kind of had that conversation, I'm asking them, "What do they know about the buying process, or what have they been told?" Because even the conversation that we just talked about, that I just had with them about this crazy market that we're fighting for a house, and we're one in 40 people sometimes trying to get one house, then they say things like, "The seller should pay my closing costs." I'm like, in my head, I go, did you just hear all the things I said to you? (laughs) But this is where they'll tell you the tapes that are playing in their head, right? Or this is where they'll tell you what they don't know about the purchase process. Like, I don't even know what a purchase agreement looks like. I love that Connie mentioned that because I've had some that they're like, I'm just nervous about the paperwork. And I'm like, great, let's get ahead of that. I never historically have done that with buyers in my consults. And I would have told you I had a good consult. So, you know, so we are for some of them, I wouldn't say I'm doing it for all of them, but if that's a spot that they're unsure about, we're getting ahead of that. Um, But I'm hearing a lot of, well, my mom said, well, my grandma said, well, my friend over here bought a house and they got $10,000 in seller credits or they got a home warranty or, and so I'm looking for the best price. I'm looking for credit. If I'm going to pay more, I want some money back. So I'm talking to them. I'm I want, I'm, well, I'm listening to them to hear what it is they think should go on in the purchase process because they seem to sometimes not make that connection, pretty often at least. So then I can make the connection for them and say, okay, great. And you know what? You're right. Let me tell you in my experience, because they're always right, even if they're not right. They're always right, right? So I'm like, let me tell you my experience pre 2020, and this is true, pre 2020, if I met a buyer, I would tell for like six years, I would have told all of them that I can almost guarantee that I can get them some sort of seller concession. And I did, I successfully got seller concessions for my buyers on the regular, I would have told you all I could do it in my sleep, different market, not anymore. And then I talked them through 2020, right, to today and kind of, well, that was true. You, You were right. Your friend was right. Your mama was right. Your grandma was right because, you know, nobody wants those folks that are important in their life to be wrong. So they were all right when they bought their home, right? But I'm guessing they didn't buy in 2020 or 2021. No, they didn't. Okay, let me explain the market shift to you. Remember what I was saying over here? Here's how that impacts us over here. And having those conversations around... Okay, this is what we're doing to win. Remember, where you find a house, you love it and you want it. Let me paint the picture. So yes, yes. Okay, you can imagine the dream home and now you want it. Yes, I've got it in my head. Perfect. Okay, now let me walk you through. You're one in up to 30 or 40 people that are going to be bidding for that house. Here's what that looks like. So, and then talking them through, um, your offer has to stand out. By the way, sellers are likely not reading the love letter you might think you want to write, right? And uh, by the way, I was the queen of that years ago. <laughs> like year many years ago, people would submit things and I would pass them along if seller wanted to review them. We're just not doing it now. People are not open to it. It's not fair. We're not doing it. So um, at least here, we're not doing it. So and I know that's controversial and, but, and I don't want to talk about that today. But we're just not doing it. So I'm like, you can't bank on, you've got a story, you know, you have to bank on the business of the transaction, which is your price, right? Your loan type. Um, How much over can we go where it entices the seller, but it's not terribly unrealistic. Um, I'm telling them upfront things like buyers are picking up sellers costs. So they're taking the survey off their plate, the cost of that. They're taking a lot of their title or their closing fees or all of them off their plate. Um, they're doing things to stand out. They're putting different um, waivers in around inspections. You know, not that they shouldn't have an inspection, but, you know, up front that they're not they're going to take it as is. Unless there's something major, they're going to take it as is. They're not going to be asking for repairs. These are things they have no idea about, even after the market conversation they don't know how you compete so i'm taking them through here here are the levers we can pull when we find the house and i always tell them you'll decide what levers i'll have an opinion about what will win you but you'll make the decision on which levers we pull but these are the levers we have right we have price levers we have lo- and we and i also look at their loan and i tell them what they're up against r- r- right away based on their loan so uh, FHA buyers are having a true struggle. They're having a struggle because in multiple offer situations, they're often up against conventional and cash buyers. So I always tell them cash is king. Like it just is what it is. People are going to often choose the cash offer. Um, I never say always, <laughs> even if I think that, but often, you know, cash is going to win. But if there is no cash involved, FHA is normally going to be dropped to the bottom of the the pile. Conventionals are going to be looked at first. So my FHA buyers, what I am finding is they have not always looked at a conventional option. And especially if they've come to me with their lender and they're not working with one of my lenders. I know my lenders that are on my team are all looking to get people conventional if possible because they know I'm going to ask them, did you consider conventional? When when the pre-approval comes in for FHA, they know, my lenders know I'm going to ask them. But a lot of times people bring their own lender to the the table and that's who they want to work with regardless of what I recommend. So if that's the case, I am saying to them, we need to check and see if you can go conventional and here's why. Nothing wrong with FHA, but here's what happens at a multiple offer situation. Here's how it can be viewed. Doesn't mean it will be. This is just what's happening. Um, So... So, oh, Angie said, they think they can still offer far less if there are no offers, especially new construction, not in our market today. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I've had a few that have had a little bit of market time, and people think they can get a deep discount because it's got four or five days or even 15 days on the market. Um, And there's other things that impact that. So, absolutely. So, and I think that, I I haven't tried to talk through that in advance, but I I am talking through that on individual sales. And sometimes buyers just have to learn a lesson right? They have to lose one, and they or two, and they have to learn a lesson. They don't always listen to us the first time out. But I try to give them a lot of information on the front end. And I've had a few that have come to me after they've taken, they were fatigued with another agent, and then they've come to me and said, oh, we got, you know, we got you through a referral now, and we were working with so-and-so, and here's what we went through. And what I'm finding is they just Either they didn't listen or they weren't educated on any of this going in. And then they were shocked when they wrote 12 offers and didn't get any houses because they weren't willing to either look at an appropriate price point and for an appropriate house in their budget, or they weren't willing to pull any of the levers that we have to make their offer go to number one. What I can tell you is, and I tell them, you know, this is not boasting, but what I can tell you is when a buyer really works closely with me and listens to what I see going on not only in the market but on a house often we win in a multiple offer situation not always i can't guarantee them anything but often we win and that's true so i often i often get the offer when we bid when the buyers work with me when they're when they can't work with me or they won't, then those are where I'm, I'm not so sure. And sometimes we get lucky and sometimes, you know, I just have that feeling, you guys know it, right? I have that feeling that we're not going to be the best off. Um, and that it does happen. It does happen. So, so just trying to get ahead of ahead of what are the levers and the offer that they're going to have to consider. Because if you think about it from the buyer's perspective, let's say we don't go over. We, they know it's a busy market and we go out and we show them a house or two and then they love one and they want to sleep on it. They want to think about it. We haven't kind of gotten them ahead of it. And now we're writing the offer and they're losing. And then that's happening again and again. Or they're not getting in to see the house fast enough because they can't get both people, that both decision makers there. They can't get off work in time. They're kind of, they don't have that contingency plan where they are acting with the same sense of urgency as we are. And then they say things like, You're just pushing me. You're trying to get me in a house too fast. You just, you wanna sell. You're being salesy. No, 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 no. Just trying to make sure you know. This isn't going to be here tomorrow this isn't may not be here tonight so um and so they, they they have to be as mentally prepared as possible when they go to see the first house with us for what they're going to have to do to get the house if they want it if they don't want it great i don't do anything but if they want it they're going to have to think fast make quick decisions and put together a really attractive offer that requires them to do lots of things for the sellers and accept that they are not going to have the sellers doing a lot of things for them necessarily. That makes sense. Oh, we got a question. Dan says, how would you deal with a buyer family of seven who needs to see the house in order to buy, but won't sell their existing home before finding something they want? It is an impossible market. Yes, it is Dan. So they need the equity from their home for the next one. Yeah. So I'm telling them the truth. That's what I'm doing. I'm telling them the truth. Um, Some of them after I tell them the truth are listening. Some of them are not. And so we're taking them out and we're letting them lose because sometimes they need to lose, you know, hopefully only they only need to lose one. Um, But I mean, I'm being honest with them. I'm just telling them, you know, I, Mostly what I'm saying is, if I was talking to you, Dan, I would say sellers are not motivated to consider any contingencies whatsoever in this market because they have choices. So it's not just even though you're the greatest buyer, Dan, you know, I always tell them like, you are the best buyer, you really are a great buyer. But there's 40 more of you. that one house and there's only one house. And so think about it, Dan, when I list your home and I bring you 30 or 40 offers, are you likely to consider the offer that has a contingency or are you likely to consider the for sure thing that's going to close in 30 days or in here, 30 days is a good number, (laughs) you know, it's going to close in 30 days and there's no contingencies. And I just listen to them. They seem to get that. Now, some people are stubborn. I will say that. Some people are stubborn and they just, they don't get it. Like they have it already made up in their mind. And I'm not going to change their mind. Is
1: Unfortunately, how- I had to cut bay with that buyer I was talking about, but their house will sell within 24 hours of me listing it. The one that, because it's so nice, but they can't get through their head. I've told them everything that you just said, <laughs> yeah. but, but for some reason they're still stubborn. And then, uh, so I had to let them go. So-
0: what are they worried about? Are they worried about being homeless? Are they, they don't about want to take
1: homeless? a risk. Yeah. I'm like, you know, I yeah. can get you, I'm like, I can get you 60 days. I can try to get you 60 days so we can find you another house, yeah. you know, uh, but they didn't want to take the risk. So they're wanting the seller to take all the risk and they're not willing to take a risk. <laughs> yeah. So.
0: That's a, yeah. I don't know if am like that. I mean, we've been able to move, motivate them at some point, some qu- more quickly than others But sometimes you do just have to break up. And so, you know, and that's always hard for us, right? So that's always hard for us. I I know it's hard for me. Um, What have been, and exactly what you said, Dan, I have been telling them like we're getting rent backs and free rent backs at that, that I've never gotten before. I've been getting them for 90 days sometimes after the 30 day close. So if you think about that, it's 120 days to find you a place. A lot of time. So I always tell, and I tell everybody, I talk to everybody just like I talk to you. I always say, I can't guarantee you anything. I cannot guarantee you anything. But if we have 90 days after a 30 day close period to find you a house, we're going to find you a house. And you're not, and the great news is, you're not going to be contingent anymore. So once we have a clear to close from their buyer, they can write non-contingent offers all day long and they can win. So, but it requires them to take the risk. There is a risk for them. It requires them to take the risk and trust me, you know, and it requires them um, to be ready to pull the levers because even though they're not contingent even though they may have a great loan and they may have a lot of down payment, they still have to pull the levers to get that next seller to accept their offer. So I try to appeal them just like you did, right. In that, As a seller, here's what you're going to want, and here's what you're likely going to go with. As a buyer, you're going to have to give it. You can't have both. You can't have the best of both worlds. Not in this market. So if you want to wait a couple years and take less money for your house, and I don't really believe this. It's my opinion, but I am telling my sellers, you will likely command the most money for your house in 2021. So, especially if you've had it for any length of time, especially if you've owned it pre-2008, right? You've already recovered from that time in the market and you've had, you, have, you have quite a lot of equity, but even at least here, and I'm, I'm in the Midwest in a modest market, um, even if people have only owned their home for a few years, they're really commanding high prices. And I just feel the market will correct down the road and um, we won't necessarily get the same price in 2023, for example, that we would this year. So if you know if that's important to them, uh, and a lot of to a lot of people it is, if that's important to them to be able to leverage those dollars, and you know they got to get in for the risk, but it is going to feel like a risk to them. So, um, and they will give that concession to you. Yeah, yeah. You need to not right, and either they will. So, um, any questions or any anybody else have any insight on kind of what we've been talking about? I do, and just jump in if you do. So I do think. At least for me, it's really helping me to get ahead of some of these things because I'm surprised even with my seasoned buyers and seller buyers, how much they don't really understand about what they're going to need to do to write the offer. So it, and it, it is a better, it seems to be a better offer writing process when I cover all of these things on the front end, because now when we find it and they're excited, now they're saying things like, okay, how much over do I have to write? What other terms do we need to do? What do you think? What's going on? And then I can go boom, 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 boom. Because you know on the house what, you know the activity, you know the house, you know how it's priced, you know what needs to be done to win. It's just getting the other party to do it. Getting to do it. So Uh, get out there, don't give up on your buyers. Um, And you know what, I will say this, if they need a break, give them a break, but don't disconnect from them, like stay connected. I've had a couple take a short break And I still look for them. And then when I find that house, I'm like, you really might want to see this. And they are reengaging. Sometimes they just need a little mental, emotional break, and then they'll reengage. So, helpful with helpful. Have a great Thursday, everybody.